My guest today is one of the legendary bassists of all time, known for his work with Peter Gabriel, King Crimson, and a bunch of other bands. I'm pleased to welcome Mr. Tony Levin. Hello. Hi there. Yeah. Nice to get to speak with you, man. Big, uh, you know, obviously Thank big you. musical fan of yours and, and seen you play a, a bunch of times with different things, even on this, this last uh, Prague cruise, which was pretty cool. How'd you like that? Oh, yeah. One of our favorite gigs. I don't know. Well, I know why. It's just because they're, they're intense fans and they're all together in one place. Had you done that before, uh, yeah. the cruise thing? That, yeah, that was, I think, the third one we did. Or was it the second? <laughs> Maybe it was, it was the second. Yeah, it is true. It is true. All right. So uh, a lot to cover here, man. You've been really busy. Uh, almost, I mean, this is as busy a time in your career as has ever been, it seems like. Uh, yeah. How, how do you keep it all straight? Uh, it's not hard, but uh, I'm very lucky to be that busy at, at my uh, age and uh, having done uh, been with a lot of groups that are no longer touring, but fortunately King Crimson is very active now, and that's yeah. wonderful. And um, a band that I have more control over is Stickman, and we try to fill in the gaps because both Pat Mastelotto and I tour with King Crimson, and then we have a break. Crimson takes a break, and we go out with Stickman, which is very satisfying in a very different way than King Crimson. Right. And then the third band I do is with my brother, a jazz band, Eleven Brothers, and we can't tour as much because there's not many gaps left. But when we can, we like to tour. I'm lucky. Playing live is is uh, deeply satisfying for me and all the guys who do it. Right. And uh, I'm grateful to have the chance to do it. Yeah, that's year great. How year. was how was the tour with your brother? That just happened uh, earlier this year, I guess. Is that over now? Yeah, we toured South America and a little bit on the East Coast. Really great. Really great. Uh, jazz is a whole different thing. Right. Um, and one nighters is is one nighters. It it can be tiring sometimes. There's elements of it that are are difficult, but it's uh, worth it and it was my first time in uh, Bolivia, so oh, that, cool. that's unusual. I've been most of the places I've been doing it so long that I've been to most of the places I tour. Yeah, and that, that's great fun. But uh, going to a place for the first time was great. We had a wonderful reception there, and and pretty darn good in the rest of South America. You also put out uh, what was it last year? Now I guess that Levin uh, Miniman Rudis album. Absolutely, uh, uh, a, from the Law Offices, which was one of my favorite albums last year. I mean that was that was great thank stuff you. too. Um, thank you. What you know? What's it like working with those guys? I mean, it, it, it does that come together fast? We, we you know when you work with those guys, you you just are writing really quick and it, it it's a crazy flow well, of ideas. I, I've done a few. Well, I call them collaborative albums, and and a few where we go back and do a second album with the same lineup. It's it's really challenging. It's re, it's fun. It's really different than being in a band and and having the time to compose. It's mostly the composition. These guys are very they're. Not me, but the other guys, they're really virtuosos. They can play anything. They don't need to practice or anything like that to play something right. So it's a matter of how do we write the material that, that, that that's the challenge. It's the right material that makes it worth putting that album out because uh, we can get together and jam, and that's okay. And with some bands, that's fine. That's enough. But, but usually it wants, it cries for compositions, and that's not so simple. It means trading files. We don't live in the same place and all yeah. of that. So they're each different. Um, in, in the case of Marco Miniman and, and Jordan Rudas, they're, you know, I'm in awe of their technique and the, the, how quickly they can pick things up. Frankly, I'm pretty fast at that stuff too, but not in the league of those guys. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it was challenging uh, in, a, in a way. I'm, if it was all done live in the, in the studio the way we did with Liquid Tension Experiment, then I would really be scuffling to keep up and do my part correctly. But because uh, mostly we trade files nowadays, I can take my time and maybe take two days to do what I think would take Marco minimum uh, 10 minutes. 
Yeah, and, and he's a deceptively, like, really great guitar player. You know, most people don't know that because he's such a known for drumming and, and uh, his virtuoso drumming. Um, King, King Crimson just announced uh, another tour uh, in the yeah. U.S. So that ship just keeps rolling. I mean, that, that just keeps going on and on. Uh, you guys keep adding more songs to the sets, you know, things that you guys haven't played in, in a long time. How much input do you guys have? Uh, you know, is it is it Robert uh, Fripp sort of deciding the sets and, and what you guys are going to do, or, or how does it work well, these days? Well, for, the Crimson's unusual in a few, really almost in every way, but one way we're unusual is we rehearse a great deal. It, it takes a lot of time and expense for us, but we we think it's worth it. That's kind of the definition of King Crimson. It's not going to be the easy way. It's not going to be, uh, let's just get together what we did, do what we did last year. So before, uh, for instance, we rehearsed it a few weeks ago for a few weeks, for three weeks in London, outside London. And before that, Robert had let us know a bunch of older classic pieces that we might add to the set. So learn those. We might do them or we not, might not, but we'll rehearse them. By the way, doing them doesn't mean doing them the way they were. It means sort of trying to reinvent them somewhat and make them ours. Right. And uh, some new material was floating. Actually, he and Jack Ojakix, the singer and other guitar player, uh, had put together some music from things we had done before. So learn that. In my case, it was learning a part that I had done on a demo a few years ago that I hadn't heard since then. Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes it's uh, readjusting to the fact that there's three drummers. So anyway, we put a lot of time in preparing a whole number, a huge number of pieces that we might do on tour. Then uh, we'll rehearse some more before the tour starts. The tour starts in June in Seattle, and we'll re rehearse another week before that in Seattle, during which we'll decide which pieces are eligible for the show. And then each morning, Robert, while we're on tour, Robert will uh, you know, spend a whole of breakfast deciding which pieces to do that night which will be different than the ones the night before, and he'll send us the set list. So it's really <laughs> complex, really a lot of material. It's really a long show with yeah. a lot of challenging material, and that's what we're about. Yeah, that's great. I have I have yet to see the, the, the current lineup play live, so I have to... I, I'm down it's in Florida, hard. so I, I, you guys oh, are yeah. down here. So, but, Always problematic to get there. Sometimes you get yeah. there, but the, as you probably know, the, 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 it's a wonderful place and wonderful audience. The trouble is it's not on the way anywhere, the same right. as the other corners of the country. No, we don't uh, get a lot of just, a lot of great prog bands down here. It's once in a while, you know. It's 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 all about where the trucks can go the next day or the vans. Right. If, yeah. if, if it's so, only back the way they came in, it's problematic. How does the three drummer thing get put together? Is it do, do three drummers go off on their own and work out their own arrangements or is it, it's with the band? Very much they do that, and they, they do that for more weeks of rehearsing before we get together. For our two weeks, they'll have done a week or two. Uh, Robert's only instruction, a few years ago when we when he formed this incarnation, his only instruction to the drummers were was uh, to reinvent rock drumming. That <laughs> That's all. Instruction. He left, yeah, exactly. He left the rest of them, which is a little bit indicative of the way Robert directs the band by uh, having a concept, but also he, he's wise in that he gets the players that he feels can do what he wants to happen without him really determining what happens. So they, uh, the three drummers have been getting together uh, a lot, and they, they've developed, I don't know how to put it, as a bass player, I'm particularly sensitive to what it is they do, because right. it really involves what I do. And they've, they've developed a whole bunch of techniques and different uh, mechanisms for how to divide up the part. What they never do is all bash the same part. So it's not like 
just three drummers bashing away and it's three times as loud. It's never like that. It's always divided up and in many different ways, very complex. And the reason we put them at the front of the stage, the front of the stage in the live show is the three drummers and the other five of us are behind them on a riser is it's fascinating to watch for the audience as well as for us. It's really, just amazing. Really different, yeah. Yeah, especially when you add in that it, it's not usually in 4-4. It's usually in some unusual time signatures, sometimes not the same time signatures for the whole band, cross time signatures and, and things like that. So it's it's quite complex, but in a way it's like a like a circus act with really good jugglers and you see them doing it. And for me as a bass player, one of the surprises in the band was it wasn't awfully difficult to play with them. I didn't have to find a, uh, uh, a way to, to deal with three drummers pounding apart. It's actually pretty pretty discreet and, and it was I was able to find a sound and a, and a way to play with it that in fact I'm playing a little busier than I used to in the other incarnation right. although I put less low end on my bass. Uh, any talk about an album ever being recorded by this this lineup? Because I know you get asked that question probably all the time. Well, if you mean studio album, yeah, no, no talk about it. And it's it's I can't predict the future with Crimson, nor can anyone else. But it's unlikely we'll do that. The reason is because we keep put out putting out live albums, and with all the rehearsing and all the preparation for the shows and meticulous uh, attention to the way we rec- we record the show and the sound of the show. Uh, the quad sound that we have in the theater. Uh, it's very easy for us to make a live album that really has the elements that a studio album would have. But it's not an album of entirely new material. Right. Every tour there is new material. And so since we keep doing that, it's likely that we will keep doing that and not take the other approach of stop what we're doing for a year, write material, and then go in the album for, in the studio for a few months. It's unlikely we'll do that. And let me Fair add enough. that I think, I think they just released a... Uh, maybe an EP, with, uh, and it's called uh, Heroes because we, we've added uh, right. David Bowie's Heroes, which notoriously Robert Fripp played a very distinctive uh, guitar part on. And, and uh, I, think, I think it's the version we did in Berlin, which was a hoot to do Heroes in Berlin, with a few others of the live pieces. So, so Crimson has a new EP out, and, right, so and we'll continue to, to do uh, that. To, always stuff to pick up. That's, that's the point yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's exactly. cool. Very cool. Um, and uh, so, w- touching on Stickman for for a second too, which I, I did get to see you guys on the on the last cruise. Um, how does that how's that change for you now? You you're sort of you do play some Crimson stuff with them, but now instead of this massive three drummer you know crazy lineup, it's three of you guys. So how do you evolve the songs into making that work? Well, it, it, one of the interesting things for me about uh, Stickman is that. And for Pat Mastelotto, we'll do we do some of the same pieces we do in Crimson, right. but we do them entirely differently. For me, I have to cover one of the guitar parts, for instance, which in King Crimson I certainly don't. Uh, so it's a challenge. Uh, mostly that's possible because Marcus Reuter, the other touch guitar player, there's only three of us: Marcus, myself, and Pat Mastelotto. Marcus can cover so much ground. He can do the Robert Fripp parts, and in sometimes cases he'll do the Robert Fripp parts and some other parts. Uh, and I just can cover the bass thing. Uh, so it is possible, but we what we really uh, enjoy is doing our own music. We have a, a wealth of music from the many years we've been uh, recording and writing, and also uh, we, we do throw in the Crimson pieces for the Crimson. Obviously, a lot of our audience are Crimson fans, and we try to vary tour to tour which Crimson pieces we do. So some of our rehearsing will be in, hey, let's tackle this Crimson piece that we never thought we would do. But the bulk of what we do is try and learn our own material and get it and refine it and get it right. 
Yeah, that's some that's some really challenging music. You guys play just the three. Hey, it's so much music. I mean, Marcus, what he does with the guitar is yeah. it's insane. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, what you, you can't say a lot that's in common between the eight man, eight member King Crimson and the three member Stickman. But what is in common for me is I'm always inspired and pushed by the other guys. These are great yeah. musicians in, in these bands. And they always push me to try to up my game and not settle for, you know, there's a tendency to be complacent when you've been playing the same instrument for 50 or 60 years. Uh, but when you have guys like that around you, you realize that, yeah, I got to practice more than I used to. And I have to really kind of open my mind more than I used to to other ways to play my own instrument. Otherwise, I'll be like the 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 slow guy, the guy who's not really carrying his weight in the band. So another one of the highlights for me um, was uh, seeing you play with Liquid Tension Experiment with, well, that, that <laughs> version that? of it, I guess, with, uh, with yeah. Portnoy on, on the ship. And you yeah. had uh, Eric Gillette and oh, that. Diego oh, on, the ship, yeah. on the ship. And uh, so when, how long had it been since you played those songs and, and did you have, how much practice went back into relearning it? it? It had been a long time since I played them. I really only played them for that one tour that Liquid Tension Experiment did for a one a seven day tour we did ten <laughs> years after the album. Right. And I had a hell of a time learning those pieces for that tour. I I practiced uh, the six months for that one week tour, and and I was on tour with Peter Gabriel and and, and maybe Stickman, but I was on tour. But I spent all all my time in the hotel room practicing because it's technically very difficult stuff. So when Mike called me, maybe he, he wrote me a few weeks, a few months before the tour, the, sorry, before the cruise and said he'd like to do that. And I said, how in the world can you do it? And he had, amazingly, he had guys who could cover the other parts, the keyboard part, the guitar part. That's that's staggering to me. Yeah. So I had to go back and practice them again. It will, of course, it was easier the second time because I, uh, I had learned them once. But uh, technically really challenging. And then we only had, we didn't have really any time to rehearse. What we did was we got together in Mike's stateroom on the on the cruise and kind of talked through the stuff. And I didn't have an amp, but I brought my my stick and was kind of plunking notes that I couldn't hear. And that was the only run through. So it was remarkably good performance considering how little preparation time we had had. No, it really it really was. What do you remember about uh, if you can think back to those sessions and, and working on those two albums? What do you remember about? forming that group and and deciding to play in it and and how the writing process was uh it was unusual for me for the first album we did two albums and and the first one i didn't know the guys at all and uh i was i was quickly stunned in at they're really virtuosos technical virtuosos all three of them and uh, i went from usually i'm the fast guy at learning things and writing things and absorbing things in a band I went from that to being the, clearly the slow guy, the guy who can't keep up. And because, especially that first album, we were we were writing it and then recording it right the same day and all that, I, I really uh, fell behind quite a bit. I had to overdub a lot and fix my parts, which was was a, a, a little bit of a drag on the speed that, it, with, that we were moving. But the guys hung in with me. They very graciously let me be the slow guy, let me keep up. And I was very impressed. Playing it live would, would have been out of the question for me that year. When we did the second album, the big difference, I knew what was coming, right. and I, I, I focused on the stick more. With I, I can play it faster on the stick than on the bass, and so I went in knowing I'm going to play more on the stick, and it was a little easier for me. They're, they're great guys, really inspiring, and amazingly, when we toured that one week, 
what all those those as good as they are, those three guys are practicing all day. When we're not traveling, they get to the venue and they start practicing. And I wouldn't have guessed that someone at their level of playing needs to practice a lot. So again, as I've mentioned before, it was a clear message to me that I better uh, up my game and practice more than I've been. <laughs> That's great. Uh, you know, being as busy as you are with everything you're doing, when, when, how well, how often do you get a break, and do you enjoy getting a break? Do you or or, or do you find that to be a burden? Um, I'm I'm on a break now. I'm I'm speaking to you from my home studio, and I have a few projects and a little practicing to do to get ready for the June tour. But this is a little unusual for me. I've had the whole month of May off, and. Um, I love it. I love being home. I have a wonderful family. My wife and my three dogs are here, and they're glad to see me still. <laughs> after all these, so it's uh, you know a lot has been said about road life. It's it's wonderful and it's challenging and it's difficult and it's very hard on your home life. Less so at my age when I had a, a child growing up. It was really hard, really a stress. A little easier now, and um, and physically it can be challenging being on the road, just traveling every day. Uh, Crimson travels in an easy way. It's not hard for me. Uh, Stickman, we do one-nighters. Levin Brothers, we do one-nighters, and that can be tough. But it's great being home. I, I have no plan to, frankly, musicians like me, we don't really plan out the year, hey, I'll do this, I'll do this. Work comes in, a tour comes in, you do it. And the times, uh, often, when, they, when you're in more than one band, you can't coordinate the tour. So it's like this tour and then this tour, especially with Peter Gabriel. I love doing his tours, but he doesn't book very far in advance. So the years that I'm extremely busy are when the tours happen to slot in one after the other, and I can do them and hardly have any time at home. And I, it's mixed feelings. I miss the time at home, but I'm also grateful. Wow, I could do the Peter Gabriel tour. And sometimes I have to turn down some tours, and then I have more time at home. Yeah. So we're, we musicians are not so much in control of that, but uh, in my book, I'm a lucky guy. If I'm getting to play really good music with really good musicians i'm a lucky guy man that's great any peter gabriel news you can you can share you know what's going on no there? i know we're not touring i know we're not touring this year that's about all i know i haven't talked to him in quite a while i had thought we would tour this year with uh, to repeat the sting peter gabriel tour which is a wonderful show i thought we would do it in europe but uh, i was wrong also didn't come down to Florida, Steve Sting and Peter Gabriel. <laughs> we got to make that happen. Uh, yeah. Listen, uh, Tony, thank you so much, man. I know you're busy. I'll, I'll let you go. This was a treat. And uh, well, thank you. Definitely try and see you at some show in the future. Something will come up, I'm sure. I hope so. And, and give me a shout beforehand and let me know if you're going to be there. Thanks for your time and the intelligence of your questions. I appreciate oh, thank it. you, man. Absolutely. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks. Take care. Bye. Thanks to Tony for the interview. You can catch King Crimson on tour this summer. Pick up their new EP, Heroes. For upcoming news and interviews, please check thepargreport.com, follow us on Facebook, at The Prog Report on Twitter, or download the podcast on iTunes. Thanks. Thanks.